Welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben, and I'm with my dear co-host. This is Omar. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We took uh, took a week off, um, about a week yeah. to recharge. You know, uh, enjoyed the yeah. long weekend, and and back into it. You know, it's it's been. Um, I don't know about you. It's been pretty gloomy out like these last few days. There's been a lot of rain, a lot of clouds. Yeah, I guess it's like this yeah. classic spring weather and stuff like that. I'm not for it, man. Like I, I want, I like winter, but I just want it. I don't care about spring. I just kind of want it right into sunny all the time. Man, yesterday, I think I had my worst day in a very, very, very long time. Damn. And there's just like so many things that just didn't happen. I mean, like I have like basically all of uh, all of Bangladesh inside this house right now. <laughs> I've got a lot of my cousins here, and like, um, you know, because everybody's you know like praying and fasting, and you know, some holy month of Ramadan and all that. Like, you know, sometimes after Fajr, uh, two of my cousins are sharing a bedroom, my brother's room right now, and so they're they're talking and and yapping and all of that. Um, but because the walls are so thin, I hear everything. And like, they're not even like the interesting ones where I can hear the conversation, like what they're talking about. It's like, it's like, I can't really do anything with that. There's no information being extracted from here. Um, And then I had to go to work. So I slept at 630 in the morning, Omar. And then I had to go to work at 930. Um, You know, just had to help out my dad just because, you know, like it was, I had to wake up for then, right? So it was, it was, it was really bad then. Um, not a lot of sleep. And then afterwards as well, I, uh, I had to, because everything was closed, my, my, my mom wanted spring onions and some other things, right, from the grocery <laughs> store. So I had to go to freaking Brampton and wait in line in the rain for like at least 20 to 25 minutes to get inside this grocery store for some damn spring onions. All of that put together, I was just in such a pissy mood, like nothing was going right. And on top of that, the weather was so bad. It was so gloomy. Yeah. You know, like I'd, I'd happily wait out, like maybe not in Brampton, but somewhere else if it was yeah. sunny, but it was rainy and in Brampton. The person in front of me smelled like, uh, <laughs> well, but there go all our Brampton listeners. <laughs> you know, good riddance, you know. It's been in the um, but I agree yeah, with you, man. The weather has been. I'm glad we didn't end up recording yesterday, then, because then I'd get a no. very different version of you. I'd get a very different. Version. Yeah, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the uh, the happy go lucky band. It'd be. Could, it'd be could you imagine different. talking about MJ in, in that mood? Oh man, oh, the, the fight the that would the fight that would ensue. Oh yeah, uh, it's but, coming. But, but I'm but I'm glad to hear you're doing better and you know it's getting warmer so it's you're able yeah. to go outside a lot more you know for like exercise and stuff like that which is always nice. You were biking earlier today before yeah, recording this. Oh man, let me tell you about that real quick. I mean, knowing me, it's not gonna be real quick, but let me just tell you about it. <laughs> so uh, I I decided to just go back. I've been doing that a little bit more often. Like when the, when the weather is nice, when it's sunny, like it's really good to just get out there, get your vitamin D, and just enjoy the weather. You know what I mean? So today I took an extremely long journey. I just wasn't thinking about it. You know, I just wanted to see where the road goes and just go from there, you know, that sort of thing. So I went from my house to Western Skysway, like along that, along that road, and then all the way to Basil's old place, you know, like Gooderham Estate. Yeah. Like David Leader. Just for, you know, just to feel something again. You know, I just wanted to feel something again. So I decided to go to Basil's house. <laughs> yeah, his You're old so house. Corny. 
You know, just like man, man, damn, bro, so many Those memories, memories in that house, man. Though, that oh, so house. many. Yo, oh. honestly, like, you call it corny, but yo, I have yeah. no regrets. Like, there's so many good memories there. Like, it's amazing. Everybody has those places, right? Everybody has, um, everybody listening. Like, you can imagine just a friend's house that you felt like it was your second home because you were there all the time. A park yeah. where you guys used to hang out. Like, whatever it might be. And Basil's basement, I mean, that was it that was for it. us. That was it. So I went from there all the way to uh, to Credit View, uh, went to the Conservation Park, then to Old Credit View. And then somehow I ended up on Mississauga Road. And then I ended up in Steels and Mississauga. And then from Steels and Mississauga, I went all the way from Steels to McLaughlin. And then I turned back from the Brampton part of McLaughlin to the Mississauga part of McLaughlin. And then the turned right away. Part. Okay. The right part. <laughs> the Brampton slander. <laughs> Hashtag Brampton slander. Yeah. Um, but, and, th- and then I came back and, you know, like in the ride, I was just so exhausted. But like... It was also like, it was so, you know how when people go jogging, they feel this runner's high. I feel like I get this biker's high because you can go such far distances. You can't do that with skateboarding. Mm -hmm. You know, there's only so many different places you can go to when when you're skateboarding because you realize in the back of your head, oh, I'm going to have to go back. And that's going to be a lot of board, you know? So when you're biking, you get to go all these far distances. I saw the Credit River, just like, you know, just looking out and all that. It wasn't good to look at, but it was there. Yeah. Um, but it was nice, man. It was it was good to go out there and take advantage of the weather. It looks like it's a bit cloudy right now, um, but it's good, man. Have you been taking advantage of it as well? Like when it has been good? Have you been walking outside or... No, not not too much. I should, but uh, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been kind of chilling. I've been a pretty good homebody. I I I used to go for some runs outside and stuff like that, but then I kind of just transitioned. So I've been getting into jumping rope. Um, nice. So I've, been, I've been doing that instead, which is like you know, it's just a lot easier if I have a gap in my schedule. I can just go down do a quick workout or whatever, and then come back. Um, I realize I am awful at jumping rope, but that's kind of motivating me to get better at it and stuff like that uh that and just yoga which is i've which i've been doing more and more recently so that's been kind of keeping me active keeping the heart rate up and stuff like that but i should be going out now that it's like a lot warmer and and things like that um i don't know i i feel like i haven't fully taken advantage of the situation yeah i man jumping rope that's I want to get to the point where you know how boxers do it just so effortlessly, right? Like they look so cool when they're doing yeah, it and yeah. they're just like doing these box, you know, like these, I don't know the way they do, it, but they're, they're like floating in the air and it's like, mm-hmm. it's like three, you know, spins are going, but they only lifted their foot once. I don't even know how they're doing it, but it looks so cool. But just yesterday I did a jump or uh jump rope workout. I followed this one YouTube video. Uh, the jump rope dudes. I don't know yeah, if you're familiar yeah, with watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have some good beginner workouts that I just did. Uh, it's definitely a good way to get sweating and like jumping rope burns a lot of calories. I think mm-hmm. it's a really good bang for your buck in terms of calories burnt. And yeah. it's fun too, right? Yeah. Like you have a rhythm going. You have a rhythm going. That's the best part about it. So I I, I just need to get to that point where it could kind of become mind-numbing cardio yeah like you know yeah, you know yeah, when you're yeah. biking when you're running you don't need to think about it you're just doing it and then obviously it sucks after a really long period of time but it's like you can just do it for extended periods of time right now it's still a very active process jumping rope for me because it's like i'm not good enough at it where like you said it feels like i'm floating or whatever it's more so like man if i'm not if i stop paying attention it's just gonna be like i'm gonna trip myself up and i have to start all over 
It's pretty active. You have your, thinking, you have your you know? hair jumping in front of you. You're looking like a caveman. You know what I mean? Oh, you man. look down, up, jump, up, jump, up, My hair is jump. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just whipping back and forth. No, nah, man, that's good. But I, I definitely recommend going for a walk at least. Just around the yeah. neighborhood. Just get some fresh air in you, man. Like, it's good that you're staying active still. I've never, I don't know, yoga, I tried. Mm-hmm. And I know the benefits of it, but I don't feel that therapeutic. Like, oh, this is so grand and nice. Yeah. I haven't felt that yet. And maybe I just haven't given it a shot uh, like as, as like a proper, like I didn't give it two weeks. Mm-hmm. My rule is this two weeks is when you build a habit and you can properly, you know, like decide if it's for Fair. you or yeah. not. Um, so I haven't given it the two weeks, but for right now, it just seems like, Oh, like I'm not getting anything out of it. You know, like I don't, I don't feel good after I don't feel good during, I don't yeah. feel good before because I got to search up Adrian's whatever videos. Yo, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's not for everyone. I mean, not everything's for everyone. So, I mean, jumping rope's not going to be for everybody too, yeah. right? Like yeah. running. I hate running. I'm, I, I have tried to convince myself that it's not that bad and I'll get this runner's high and then I'll love it. But I, I, I hate, I hate every second of it. So I try to find excuses to do something else. And with yoga, I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of like predisposed to it because I'm so fake woke and stuff like that. (laughs) I like, I like journaling. I like doing yoga. I like how I meditating, clearing my mind and stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe it's not for everybody. Right. I, uh, maybe I got to hit you with that uh, classic J. Cole fan. Uh, you know, it takes a certain level of intelligence, intelligence. to appreciate J. Cole's music then. So maybe it just takes a certain level of wokeness to appreciate yoga. Man, uh, J. Cole. Well, what have, whatever. I think Kendrick Lamar is actually coming out with something new though, eh? I, yeah, I think TV has something where King Kendrick is going to be dropping soon. Yeah, so, it's going to be interesting. That, yo, I don't know what we're going to see from Kendrick yeah. Um. But it's gonna be completely new. Um. My first concert was actually Kendrick opening. Uh, yeah. My first concert was Jesus with you. I my first concert as well. We went to our first concert together. Shout together. out to our brothers for paying for our tickets. Oh man, yeah, that was huge. Yeah, Ali and Ben. That respect. was huge. Yeah, yeah. Major respect to them. I I never would have thought about like obviously I would have thought about going to a concert, but it just never happens just because of how pricey they are. Yeah. Right. But um. Man, do you remember that? Like back uh, in 2013, like how loved it. it was, it was such a grand experience, man. So I remember, uh, I kind of like, I wanted to make sure I knew every song going into it and stuff like that. <laughs> so I was running through the discography of Kendrick Lamar and, and, um, and Kanye West. And I can't remember if it was this con. No, it was it wasn't this concert, but, uh, so, so it was a great experience. And I remember that the drops, man, I will never forget the Mad City drop and I will never forget Blood on the Leaves. Blood man. on the Leaves. I have that video. I still have those videos. I'll send them to you actually. It brings yeah. back so many memories. I was going through Google photos and I saw like photos of us, like where my years yeah. I still have that. That's going to be a collector's item in like five years. Yeah. But man, the drops for Blood on the Leaves, I recorded the entire thing. And look, we're quite far away. Like we're yeah. in the, uh, like the yeah. outer dome, you know, I, I yeah. think in the in the middle right so yeah, we're not, like the the, the oh, section so we weren't on the yeah. we weren't general like admission on no, the, no 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 yeah, it wasn't yeah, we it, were but like the, up in the but the season. experience was still so crazy just Loved looking it. around you people are going crazy in concert seats you know you're yeah. supposed to be sitting down but people are going nuts in concert seats you know what i mean and that yeah. was so cool 
Um, did you, so did you know Kendrick before that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I had gotten into, um, I had listened cause it was actually, you remember Nicholas, right? Uh, yeah. from high school, his brother kind of introduced me to Kendrick. I remember listening to, uh, rigor mortis in his car, uh, ADHD Mortis, yeah. and, um, uh, I'm forgetting, uh, high power. High power was the first Kendrick Lamar song I ever heard. And, uh, so, so I remember he'd drive us home some days and I started listening to him from then. And then, um, good kid, Mad city came out and I really liked that album. Uh, so I got super into it then. So Kendrick, uh, performing opening, I think back now in hindsight, and that's so crazy to think about Kendrick Lamar opened for Kanye West. Kanye. Like we, we, our opening act, the act that people came in late for that, I was so pissed off about that. I'm like watching yeah. people come in after yeah. Kendrick's performance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? Kendrick Lamar opened. And that's like, we were so lucky to experience that at that time. My favorite thing about these concerts is how they do like renditions of 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 the songs that they perform right so like money yeah. trees he had an electric guitar come out and he was just you know like the, like the uh the person who was who's playing it was just killing it on the electric guitar mm-hmm. and it sounded so different and I, it was the same thing with uh theraflu as well you know like um uh uh cold off of uh, cold uh cold summer yeah off, off cruel, of summer, cruel, cruel summer, summer cruel summer and you know like they, they did a rendition with um you're as cold as ice didn't yeah. didn't but that it worked so well. You get so many unique like remixes of original songs. Plus, of course, they record the original and perform it as well. Yeah. But depending on the performer, you can get a completely new song out of it. Yeah. I remember being so impressed by the Theraflu one. I searched it up on... I had like this illegal ass like music app for Google. I had, a, I had an Android at the time. So you, it's like LimeWire for Android. Yeah. So I remember searching that up and then people obviously like I wasn't the only one impressed by it. They did like a CD quality version of that rendition. Oh, that's crazy. And it was so cool, man. That experience of a concert, which I'm not sure when we're going to have again. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow, but until a vaccination, I don't see concerts happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. It's, we were talking about like, you know, the different ways we experience music and that's come up in the past, like on the pod before we talked about how some songs are great driving songs where it's like, you know, right. just nighttime driving and stuff like that. And I find myself driving maybe 5%, 10% as much as I used to before. Right. So because of that, the way the type of music that I've been listening to and the way I consume that music is changing. Right. And other ways of consuming music are like concerts and where I feel like you really got the concert bug. And, and since, since Jesus, you've gone to like a lot more. I mean, we went to another one we went to together was, um, Pusha. Pusha's darkest before dawn. I think it was darkest right? before dawn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was and that, uh, that was that rebel. Was that, no, it wasn't that rebel. It was, it was at, that Danforth. Uh, Danforth. Danforth. And it's so, such a small hall. Great right? venue. My, my yeah, my my favorite experience and stuff like that. It was it was amazing. You we were so close. You love push too. I love you push. Love push. So this was the story I was gonna tell where I got it confused. So going, uh, we went with again. Uh, my brother was coming for Darkest Before Dawn, and I remember the the day of the concert. He he comes back into town. He's like, all right, let's go. I'm like, wait, so have you actually heard the album? He's like, nah, never really heard the album. I'm like, wait, like you're going to a concert. Ali is so funny. This Yo, man, he kills me, man. This he man likes Pusha me. T. He listened to My Name Is My Name. 
Um, but he hadn't listened to Darkest Before Dawn, whereas I had played this back over so many times. <laughs> I had every lyric memorized going into the concert. And it was so interesting to see, like, Ali's listening to music for the first time <laughs> in the concert. And he's like, this is amazing. This is crazy and stuff like that. Whereas I'm like, every I hate that, single though. lyric I have done. I hate that. I can't do that. So yeah, it's it's like, you need so me and you are similar yeah. where i think going into a concert you know like danforth it's it's about maybe 30 40 minutes away from us yeah. right so we're trying to pack as much music as we can of yeah. that artist all listening in the car. to it all in the car you know just getting hyped before and we're doing our own concert in the car yeah. driving to the hall yes so for for pusha i think we were we were going off to like um what was the uh I think it was crutches, crosses, caskets, yeah. like some of the singles that that push had come up. We were just yeah. going off with it, and you do all the lyrics by heart because I knew your ass yeah. was practicing the night oh, before. Oh, you already know, man. <laughs> I love him. Yeah, so, Ali kills me. This is dude, but yeah. I hate this guy, man. I swear, I hate this man. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what? I can't even roast Ali too much because <laughs> I've actually done that for another concert. I did it for the John Legend concert. So I told this story before where. I got, uh, I got, uh, as a birthday present, I got Iman and I tickets to go to the John Legend concert. And when I bought the tickets months before the concert, I just saw John Legend tickets. And I'm like, cool, bought him, moved on, didn't think about them again. The concert's coming up. I get an email saying like, hey, just a reminder, you know, next week's the concert or whatever. I look at it. I'm like, hmm, why is it called a legendary Christmas? <laughs> and, and. And I look into it a little <laughs> bit further and lo and behold, John Legend released a Christmas album called A Legendary Christmas. That's And the concert I bought hilarious. tickets to was a Christmas concert. And this was like in, Your in November. Muslim ass was just so, like, ah. So I'm like looking at it. I'm like, damn, are you telling me I got to jam out to Christmas carols? So knowing me, like I listen to anything. So the drive to, it was sony theater of performing arts so this was like a hall hall like a not a like really a really big venue like like a, like a really big venue and it was like a really formal venue like you think of like an opera theater or something like that it was like okay. that kind of like That's formal huge. venue yeah yeah formal venue so so we go and it's like seats everybody in their seats like watching and stuff like that and like john legend playing the piano and then like every now and then people would stand up but then it was like a lot of sitting during that concert as well and a completely different experience than uh, than dad for yeah exactly so um but that was there were a lot of songs that i heard for the first time and he was performing, i can't do that and i can't do that not it was at all. it was a really different experience it was a lot of like I can't get hyped to it. But then again, it's not really music that you can get hyped to. He's singing songs about like Santa Claus and stuff. And I'm just like, I'm not, the, I'm the thing is though, to it. the thing is though, Omar, we're so restricted by our ability to dance in that <laughs> within our genetics, we can't dance. We don't have a single dance Man, bug in us. Have you, Boy, I know have you, you ain't talking. Boy, you I know you ain't talking. Have you seen us at weddings, though? I, okay, I yeah. will break with down. With Bollywood music. With I will Bollywood break music. down But The Mies Dill right now. Like. Boy, let's go. Let's get it right now. <laughs> what I was going to say was with that type of music, hip-hop, rap, our dancing is making a stank face and aggressively spitting the lyric. <laughs> So if you don't know the lyric, this happened to me a lot. For Pusha T, admittedly, I'm not, I love Pusha, but I don't know every single song that yeah. much, you know, yeah. that I would. So there were songs that I had no idea coming from um, 
his clips days. His clips days, yeah, same. And, yeah. and all I could do was just like have my hands up. Like, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? And you feel so left out. You know, you feel so left out that you just don't know what's going on and you feel like a loser. And then finally, you know, crutches cross his caskets comes on and you're like, all right, let's hey, get it. Like, right, let's, let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, caustic like I need to know this. I need to know the music going into it or the artist I'm gonna or I'm gonna select. Oh, it was a nightmare with Skepta because oh, <laughs> so I went to Skepta with my cousins. <laughs> and um it, this was in rebel um this is my first experience in a mosh okay. and it was so much fun because i was plump then then you know what i'm saying <laughs> i was wearing my laurier sweat i was just just like, shouldering everybody i mean a five foot seven i can't really do too much but i did as much as i could and um there were so there were so many songs that I had no idea about like what was going on and the funniest part was nobody else did either because People in Toronto don't know Skepta like people in London do or like yeah. people in the UK do or like that, that you know, that genre, that, that scene. In Toronto, yeah. we're just like, yo, that's that Drake guy, right? Yo, I saw that one video. He, he brought Drake out, right? Yo, that guy, are you $30 tickets? Let's go. And that was admittedly my logic as well. Yeah. So until, um, you know, uh, what's that song? I'm trying to remember. I keep getting confused with the gig song. Uh, 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 what's it no, called? Skeptas, isn't it just it called Skeptas Interlude? No, no, the Skeptas oh. Interlude, but there's like a oh, and shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down. But so until then, yeah. all we're doing is just looking at each other, like yeah. And I could tell the lack of energy because nobody knew the songs. Yeah. But then, shut down. um, shut down came on, and I went ham. There's a huge circle. You know, people were shirtless and you're just going in and you're just football pushing people and they push you right back. So do you know that guy named that dude McFly on YouTube? That dude McFly? He's a Toronto, oh, yeah. he's a yeah, Toronto yeah, YouTuber. Yeah, yeah, He did that one video where it's just like uh, things Toronto guys say or whatever. Yeah. Like he does a lot of those type of videos. So my cousin later showed me, I was clear. He posted a video on Twitter of me in the mosh and I'm just pushing people and he's at the upper level and he's like, yo, the scene is mod right now at the Skeptic concert because he was there too. Wait, there's a video of you? Yeah, there's a video of me. Yeah, there's a video of me on that dude McFly's so Twitter. Funny. You see me with my Laureus on it and I, you know, when I push, I'm pissed. You know what I mean? I'm just yo, you mad. You gotta send like, me this video. You gotta send yeah, me I'm gonna send it to you. It was so funny, man. Uh, but it was a good concert. And I think that that's just my personal preference in music is just hype. Mm-hmm. And I know that might sound like a like a generic, but it's no, like I can go heavy metal. But if it's like Hallowed Be Thy Name by Iron Maiden, I'm going to go off just because of how headbanging, like I want to feel the energy. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like the strongest person in the world after I listen to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the type of stuff that I listen to. In my workouts now, Omar, I'm listening to WWE theme songs because oh it gets me God. hyped up. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, Matt, Skepta was sick. Okay. So you wouldn't want in the future, you wouldn't, you'd prefer to go to like more hype concerts. You wouldn't want to go to like, I don't know. I think... The XX were in Toronto for iHeartRadio or something like that, and yeah. they were performing. And I'm, I was thinking of going to that, and but that'd be a completely different vibe than like Skepta or something like that, something hype. But you'd prefer like hype. I prefer it, but yeah. also I just have this love for music that trumps all of that. So mm-hmm. knowing what 
the situation is. I'm just going to have to adapt. So something like that, I would be definitely a lot more because there's a certain art and virtue in live performances that you don't get from the recording. You know what I mean? Like you could listen to um, Kanye West um, CD quality, but there's something in it about that raspy voice because mm-hmm. he's so tired from his previous songs. Something about that just gives so much energy because he's yelling at you as he as he's performing these songs. And not all performers are like that, of course, but you want to support that, you know. And that's yeah. how artists get their money is through tours. So while I do prefer hype music, man, I'm I'm definitely gonna be like like the XS or Majed Jordan. 100% down. Doja Cat, 100% down. I don't expect a mosh in a Doja Cat concert, you know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> you, you, just, you just adapt with it because you want to support the artists. Yeah. So. You, you, you made mention of like, you know, how we, uh, like how you experience music and like, you, how you're just appreciative of the, the art form behind it and supporting artists. And that, that just kind of like, it's interesting, like nowadays to support an artist, you know, before it'd be like, oh, I'm going to buy this many copies of his CDs or, and all that stuff. Nowadays, it's all streaming, like the market yeah. for illegally getting music. It's just not even worth it. And like, we've all been there. We've all had LimeWire. We've all like downloaded YouTube to MP3 and like all those other songs and uh, like venues of getting music. But now it's like, well, I had a website you use YouTube to MP3. You would never tell me what your website was. <laughs> so I have, we were forced to use YouTube to MP3. But uh, now it's like, why would I even bother? Now, nowadays, honestly, like, and I'm guilty of this. If it's not on Spotify, I just don't even want to listen to it. And, and I felt me so too. bad because for the longest time, Hove's entire discography wasn't on Spotify. And there was like a two year period where I barely listened to Jay-Z because it's like, how could I actually listen to Jay-Z's music then? Like there's some stuff on YouTube, but other than that, it's like, I'm not going to get Tidal or Apple Music just to listen to Jay-Z, right? So I just stuck with whatever I could listen to. And that was my way of supporting artists. But I mean, you do more than just streaming, right? You also get vinyls. Yeah, I have I have records, man. And like, that's just something where it's a way to support the artists. And it's just like... Every one of these records that I do have, they have a certain place in me that they did. Like, I don't want to just buy records for the sake of buying records. You know, uh, they all need to have some form of either the artist, maybe not the album itself, but the artist had some form of impact on me. So just really quickly, like I'll go through some of my records that I do have. Yeah, sure. Because I have, yeah. My, uh, I have my record player right here. So for everybody listening on Apple Podcasts, Come check us out on YouTube, the session, a basketball podcast, and you can see the physical, um, you know, like the copies that I do have of these records. Of course, I'm going to be saying them out loud. So whatever, but you can take a look at us yeah, and like I shower not too long reaction. ago. So you can see it all. <laughs> yeah. You right. see our live reactions. And then while you're at it, this is a great time for us to remind you to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure you get every one of our episodes uh, whenever they come out. Like and support, leave a rating review on whatever platform you're on. Apple Podcasts, drop five stars. And on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and let us know what you think of Ben's uh, records that he's about to show us. Yeah, I can't wait for like these like music elitists to be like, oh, that's not even the best album by him. Okay, <laughs> I can't wait for all that. But I will start because nobody can hate on this one. Come on. It's oh, Nas Illmatic. I got this from Iceland. I'm going to get my tinfoil no? hat. Hold up. 
<laughs> Wait, you actually got it from Iceland? That's I got crazy. it from Iceland. Yeah, the Iceland had Illmatic. Yeah, in uh, in Reykjavik, they had this uh, this record store, and I was just going through it, and I can never find Illmatic, um, in the record stores in Toronto. Uh, and if you do find it, it's gonna run you at least like seventy, eighty dollars because of how popular of a record this is. Um, but I mean, like, come on, like as a as a hip hop head, um, as anything hip hop, you've got to respect the OGs. And Nas did it with this album. This has this has. Have you listened to this album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's obviously dated, but at some of the lyrics, man, that words can never be dated. Yeah. You know, like maybe the instrumentals can fade, but some of the lyrics that Nas has in these lyrics at his age of like what he's like nineteen or something. He wrote ill he wrote uh NY State of Mind at like sixteen or something from what I remember. Sixteen, seventeen. It's it's crazy how how young. Um I I had a a phase where I kind of got back into mob deep and stuff like that. Nice. And I, I was listening to that and I was like, man, these guys when they when they release like shook ones and stuff like that, I'm like these guys were so young, young, so young. No kidding, man. It's super young, and um, they have this coldness in their voice. Like they mature. Like that's when you know their upbringing was so difficult because yeah. you can hear it in their voices. Yeah, you know they lived through in a very difficult time of, uh, in their life, and you can hear how much they matured. I mean, as corny as it sounds, through the streets, like the yeah. streets grew them. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's one thing I, I always come back to. It's like people don't realize, people are always quick to criticize uh, young artists, especially young African-American artists for, for you know, any of the faults that they, that they have uh, early on in their career, uh, whether it's like, you know, mismanagement of money or being scammed by a, by a manager or, or something like that, right? And it's like, you got to understand these guys, they, they, I'm just thinking like, you know, Nas was so young when he, yeah. when he released this music, right? Like you need to cut these guys some slack. They haven't had the luxury of, you know, being older, uh, going through what we went through and experiencing like, I don't know, uh, safe childhood environments, things like that. Right. So it's like, there's, there's a lot that we take for granted when we try to uh, tear down uh, young artists, especially young black artists. At the end of the day, man, they're just trying to find, they're trying to make a living, right? They're yeah. trying to make that money and get their, get their mama a house yeah. or, you know what I mean? Like get them out the hood or whatever. And that's why, you know, even an artist like Young Thug is so inspiring because he's not your traditional, you know, I talk about the streets and he, he is probably one of the hardest artists out there right now in terms of a real life, real hard upbringing. Like he was one of TI's like, you know, like him and TI were close. Um, he was he did a lot of he did a lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? But um people don't know that. Like he's wearing dresses, why is he doing that? But he's getting money and that's all he cares about. Yeah. You know, that's all that's all these artists want. They just need some money to get to get up out the hood. You know what I'm and, saying? Like and, that's what and, and my, my whole thing will always be get your money. Get every get your dollar money. get every dollar that you can possibly earn with whatever means you can do it, kind of thing. Doesn't Fight Fifty Cent have that goat line or even Kanye West mentioned it, where just like um um, um, someone told me it's okay. Switch your style up, and if they hate, then let them hate, and watch that money pile, pile up. up. Yep. There you go. Let him. MJ hate. shrug. Yeah. MJ shrug. All right. Show us what else you got. Come on, son. Come oh, on, son. You don't go. gotta take care, son. Go. You don't gotta have those long winter nights being single and lonely. You know what I'm saying? You don't gotta. You don't gotta listen to this, <laughs> even if you're not single. You could just channel in that. You could just channel in this album. It's gonna do the. It has, do the, it do has the everything, Drake man. Look. 
do the Drake look. Come on, bro. This has this has everything. Practice is one of the best songs Drake Drake has ever made. Uh, my 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 most underrated uh, track on that is uh, what's it called? Underground Kings. I love uh, Underground Kings. Yeah, and and every that. guy from Brampton has had headlines somewhere. Um, yeah. In like a uh, like an intro video or like they use that beat for something, you know, yeah. like you, whether it's a cipher or whatever. They love yeah. they love headlines. This right here is just so much fun to listen to, man. Anderson Park is one of my favorite artists, man. Okay, okay. A Malibu right here. Um, oh, Silicon Valley. I haven't heard this record in so long. It's just right now that now that summer's coming, I want to have this. Uh, I want to have this up again because right now my record player is right beside me, and I had Illmatic there, and and and. And um, take care because those are my like winter, like cold, hard, gritty albums. So I gotta bust this back out again. Okay. Malibu. I, I recommend it to everybody, especially right. in this weather. It's beautiful. I'm gonna check it out. You haven't heard it. You haven't heard uh, Malibu. No, not in its entirety. I'm sure I've heard some singles off. My homeboy got me this one. Okay. My homeboy got me this one. This is to pimp a butterfly. Omar got me this. There we go. Um, this was for my birthday. He had given me this and one other album. Which I'm sure I'm gonna find through here. I think he got yeah. me two records. Yeah, maybe two records. When I, I remember, so. I think it might have been Take Care actually. Uh, oh, it was Take Care. Yeah, it was, it was Take Care, care and uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah. It was so Omar care. just randomly comes to my house at like in the nighttime. It doesn't say a word. He just rings my doorbell and he's like, "Hey, man, happy birthday!" Then comes with two records. <laughs> wow, this means so much to me. But man, what an album, eh? Love what it. My 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 favorite Kendrick album. Yeah. Um. Oh, this right here is because, you know, come on, you know, you know, I got the hip hop head in me. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> this right here, son. Enter the, oh, enter the Wu Tang. Classic. The classic. The 36 this, Chambers. This, this New man, York, baby. I know you were eight years old. I'm eight and I listen to Wu Tang. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Oh, well, wait, just wait. Oh, I'm eight God. years old. You want, you want those eight year old things? <laughs> okay, well, funny story about this one. So, this is Boston. <laughs> Okay, so this is Boston. I think this was in my university. Uh, they had like a record um, it, within Laurier. They had this record like uh, um, they're just selling records. Like a bunch of people were just selling records. They had a bunch of bunch of vinyls here, and I remember. You want to know how much of a follower I am rather than a leader? Oh, so South Park had this one scene where Gerald, who's Kyle's dad was like doing a lot of like Yelp reviews. Okay. And in order to do his Yelp reviews, he had his record player and he put on this album, Boston. Right? And for some reason, it sounded so good in South Park that I'm like, yo, this is like super cheap. Let me just get it too. I'll feel like Gerald doing Yelp reviews from South Park. And that's why I got this. Well, I don't know why. Have you listened to it? In its I did. Oh, and okay. it's the, uh, it, it's good because it's different because hip hop doesn't really do too well with record players, to be honest. Yeah. They're more collector's items than they are the actual sound of it. But with guitars and um, acoustics, they sound a lot better in a record. So Boston sounds really good for that reason. As well as some old, as well as some classics like this. So this is what I'm, what I'm talking about when I say I'm eight years old and right here, baby. I'm eight years oh old and I love God. Frank Sinatra. Is that Greatest Hits? Is that a Greatest um, Hits one? Yep. So I got yeah. My Way. Oh, no, yeah. wait. This is not the Greatest Hits. Oh, wait, it is. Greatest yeah. Hits Volume 2. Volume so I got two. My Way here. And that's the reason why I bought this. Because I wanted to hear My Way on a record. That's my favorite Frank Sinatra track. You just wanted to You just wanted to put it on and then sit on your couch. No phone. No, no <laughs> Just sit on the couch. I just, I just, I just, you know, think and ponder. Yeah. 
<laughs> have a cigar that I don't even know how to light, you know? Yeah, fly me to the moon. You're just rolling the cigar in your finger. Fly me to <laughs> This right here is a lot of fun to listen to as well. Amy Winehouse, okay. Back to Black. Um, terrible, like, you know, very tragic story with her, but classic songs here. Tears Dry on Their Own, Back to Black, Rehab. You have a lot of classic classics on this one. And she she has a very, very unique voice. Yeah. Um, for uh you know i'm I'm sure she's appreciated by a lot more older heads like old as i'm talking like frank sinatra days type people yeah. because her voice is works really well with jazz mm-hmm. i got this because i had to son <laughs> this is what i mean by um artists that had a huge impact in my life but this record in particular the carter two yeah. i grew up on this yeah i literally grew up on this wheezy is one of the best artists of all time yeah like not even I'm not even going to hear any debate on that. Yeah. Little mixtape Wheezy can be argued as the best rapper of all time. Uh, there was an entire era. It goes to far as even say a decade where if you heard a lighter flick at the beginning of the oh, song, it's over. It's, it's over. over. You already know it's that this over. is going to be fire. Like this one right here, I actually got um, so Childish Gambino, um, Awaken My Love. I mean, I was so excited to listen to Redbone mm-hmm. only to find out my record player doesn't it doesn't fit in my record player. No. It doesn't fit in my record player. I can't listen to it because I really, really want to listen to Redbone. Yeah. So sad. I think I got this for uh, I think Zubair or, or, or I think it was Secret Santa a couple years Secret ago. Secret Santa. Yeah, yeah. It was Secret or no, Santa. Or, or, or it might have been your birthday gift. That was my birthday at, gift. Uh, given at Secret Santa. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it was. was. I remember randomly just turning yeah. around. I see Zubir holding this and he has this big ass grin on his face. I'm like, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Mad cute. Classic right here. Michael Jackson off the wall. Okay. I just, I don't know. Like with these ones, I just wanted to listen to different genres. I wanted to experiment with my record player to see how it actually sounds. Yeah. Um, Good Kid, Mad City. There we go. Right. I mean, like, what do I got to say about this one? Hearing this in a concert is a completely different experience. I'll tell you that right now. Then sitting on your couch with a cigar. (laughs) Backseat freestyle in a Honda Civic driven by Omar Shabir is a completely different experience. I'll tell you It's true. We're just going to go past this. We don't need to talk about 1989 by Taylor Swift. We need to talk about that. No, we, we can we can talk about that a little. But yo, okay, quick thing. Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Swift has a pretty solid discography. If we're being, if we're being 100% honest. Shut your ass up, man. Taylor Swift's a snake. If we're being 100% snake. honest, let me see. What was the, al- the name of the album that came out when we were in like grade 9 or grade 10? I'm trying to remember, man. I'm going to quickly see if I can pull it up. I think that's my favorite Taylor Swift album. She has a pretty solid discography, man. I can't listen to an entire album by a pop artist. Red. I really liked Red. Red? And then you got to say Fearless, bro. Fearless? I think Katy Perry was the only one I gave an exception to. Okay. Katy Perry has some heat. I say Fearless, man. You got to go back to that. Maybe that was just middle school me, you know, in love. But I think it's just... You got 15, Love Story, White Horse, You Belong With Me, uh, The Way I Loved You, The Best Day. And that's 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 an album. Everyone go listen to Fearless by Taylor Swift. I just heard so many stories about Taylor and how she's such a mean person that it takes away from her music. You know, same thing with like Ellen DeGeneres. I can't even watch her videos anymore because she's a piece of crap, apparently. And and, and I'm basing this purely on YouTube titles, not even doing my own research. (laughs) Not even watching the video, just seeing the title. (laughs) 
Yo, this, That's this, how informed I am, brother this man. This new generation is done, bro. This new generation is done. No Just effort into validate facts. Yeah. We make fun of our parents for forwarding WhatsApp messages <laughs> back and forth without like validating them and stuff. We're, we're the worst. We're the worst. Can't disagree with that. Um, so Zubair got me this as well. Zubair and Harmi were super late uh, picking me up from the Medivel Gold Station. Oh, and um, I think this was for my birthday. They're just like, yo, just wait for a bit, wait for a bit. And then I go inside the car and I was so mad at them. I was like, yo, you took 40 minutes to pick me up. I got pissed. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey, man, um, um, all I want for Christmas. Oh, no, wait, that was for the Taylor Swift one. He 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 said like a poem to me or something. I don't know why. Was we delivered a poem to me? He, like he said a poem to me in the car and he gave me that vinyl record. It was so weird. Oh, uh, then the last two ones I got are uh, Donuts by Jay Dilla. Classic. Yeah. This is early 2000s, mid-2000s. Rest in peace, Jay Dilla. Um, donuts, working on it. This is just so much fun to listen to. I don't even like instrumental uh, albums like that. I like words, but this is one I'll give an exception to. It's incredible. One of my favorite um, indie, oh, I guess, okay. records over here. Yeah. Sufjan Stevens, uh, Carrie and Lowell. Even Kanye West listened to this one. He, he loved it. Yeah. Um, and it was just... It's it's a good break from listening to hip hop all the time, so that has a special place for me too. And those are all my records for right now. So definitely going to add a little bit more, but you know, it's it's a pretty good collection right now. I, I want to find like a like a stand or something where I can put all these records. Yeah, so it'd be a it nice way be, to display them and stuff. Yeah. You know let, let me ask. Let me ask you this while we're on the topic of music. What are your thoughts on on music in languages you don't understand? I've recently been really into Spanish and Italian music. Maybe it's because of I watched Money Heist and 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 that kind of got me into it. But I'm gonna be real. I understand with the Spanish music. I understand like one every fifteenth word if I'm being real. And yeah. and with uh, Italian music, pretty much none of it. But it I it's 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 a really different listening experience. I really enjoy it. I mean, I listen to Young Thug. <laughs> So I mean that's a, response done. That's it. I, I language doesn't matter. It's how you yeah. feel that matters. Yeah. If if the music can make you feel a certain way, then that's all that matters. And if that's through lyrics, then yeah, it's not going to be for you. But if you can hear the energy through somebody's voice in a completely different language, that just shows how powerful that song is or how good that artist is. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember for GTA Four, just on the top, I love Russian music. Oh, damn. There's a radio station, Vladivostok or something. Yeah. And there are so many songs that I would listen to from there that I downloaded like recently because I just, I don't know, I just wanted to listen to it. And it's just so catchy. I don't understand a lick of what they're saying. Later, I found out it's about pigs. I'm like, I didn't know it was about pigs, but that's what it was about. But it sounded so good. I loved it, man. So yeah, man, my my thoughts are... The lyrics don't matter, but if it can make you feel something, yeah, who cares? That's you know? good. I've been getting more and more into like uh, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, the Spotify place is I think called Chill Instrumental Beats or, or something like that. I've been I've been listening to a lot of wow. like just random indie instrumental uh, music and and stuff like that. I listen to it when I when I journal and stuff like that. So. I don't know. I just, it, like you said, I obviously there's no lyrics because it's all instrumental and stuff, but it makes you feel something. And uh, 
having that type of feeling, it, it almost feels like a soundtrack sometimes. Like um, you probably felt the same when listening to the, like, I mean, the GTA 4 music was literally a soundtrack, but then now yeah. you've carried it into your life. And why are certain songs part of soundtracks? Because they make you feel a certain way, right? So, Dude, working out to the WWE theme songs. There you go. Like I'm listening to the Under- Undertaker's theme song, which has, it's literally like the most daunting, you know, no energy at all but it's the power that you feel when listening to something like that that carries through and that's a feeling Mm -hmm. right and just because it doesn't have any lyrics doesn't mean i get the same feeling listening to something as slow as the undertaker's theme song as i would listening to x go and give it to you yeah and if they're completely different energy like wavelengths if you want to use that but the feeling is the same and you can't replace that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for sure, man. I mean, that's, that's my two cents on it. If you can make you feel something, that's all that matters, man. True. Plus so I listen what kind to of a young thug? Like, yeah, they're there we go. long, <laughs> you know, long story short. Yeah. What kind of Italian music have you been listening to? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I've been listening to uh, this one guy. I'm going to forget his, forget his name. Let me pull it up. I have it saved on my 50 Spotify. Cent. <laughs> 50 cent. Uh, Umberto Tozzi. He, uh, he I like has the accent. This, I don't I don't know uh, if he if it's his song, but there's a song I listened to in Money Heist. It's called uh, Te, Te Amo. And uh, since then, I found his rendition of it. And I've been listening to just a whole bunch of his stuff. And then in, in, with Spanish music, I've just been kind of listening to not even like modern Spanish. Like I've been listening to like Cuban classics and like all, all kinds of like folk folk music. I don't know if that's the right way, but like older songs and like the classics it'd be the equivalent of someone getting into english music and listening to like sinatra i guess and and being super into that rather than like modern pop man um i think the only thing i did with italian music was um there's a song called mambo italiano with uh you know the rat pack so frank sinatra sam davis jr and uh who's the other guy dean martin Uh so it's dean martin's track i think it's probably like a cover of another song from before Mm -hmm. or whatever but i don't know what anything that he's saying but you know it's fun to listen to and man spanish music is the most fun yeah you know i i wouldn't describe it as hype i mean it could be but i found i find it more like sexy and fun you know what i mean like that's how i feel about spanish music um it just gets you going, man. If you just want to dance and like do moves, you don't even know how to do. So <laughs> the, the classic Wasi. Oh, the, the Wasi. Yeah. <laughs> and for those who, for those who are just listening, that was really confusing for you. Yeah. You guys missed the greatest dance move ever. Both Ben and I did it in sync. <laughs> Wasi. Yo, Wasi, I know you're listening. Watch this on YouTube so you can see what we're yeah, doing. Come you to this one minute see. mark on YouTube and come uh, watch us. <laughs> Oh, man. man all right uh well i guess i mean speaking of watching uh what did, what did you watch recently what have we finished you know well let me just say before we get into the last dance yeah. that oh my goodness tv and movies so dry yeah there's nothing to watch nothing mm-hmm. to watch i need to watch some animes or something get my get my head straight yeah it's so freaking boring you know i just don't have the the mental like the patience anymore to go through an hour-long episode of this or that it's just i just i don't know i'm just not feeling tv or movies anymore but luckily on that note we do have the last dance and it did wrap up uh just over this weekend and man 
the last four episodes is exactly what I wanted. So in our previous episode, I'm just like, oh, that's kind of dragging on a little bit. I don't know how I feel about this. Ooh, MJ, Michael Jordan, a la goat, a la goat, the goat, the greatest of all time. I loved it. Um, you know, I, I, there are certain things that I found so funny, um, like old head mentality. So yeah. Buddy Pippin, um, when he, it was like seconds, there's like two seconds left and um, Phil Jackson wanted to give Tony Kukoc the shot. Yeah. Buddy Pippin just like, I'm going to take a seat. I'm not going to do this. And, yeah. you know, he let, he let them down and all that. Uh, they asked Scotty Pippen. He's just like, man, I wish that never happened. But would I change anything? Hell no. Nah. It's like, what? You wouldn't want to change. Like, you cried. The, People were crying in the locker room. You Michael said the Jordan biggest had, regret of your career. The biggest <laughs> regret of your career. And Michael Jordan is saying something like, man, Pip is never going to live that one down. You know, he's never going to let that one down. Like, that's going to be a stain in his reputation forever. Yeah. And then old head mentality immediately kicks in. Man. I ain't gonna change nothing if I could only go, oh, sir, sir. Please, please, you have the chance. You have the chance. If we you found this change. time machine, you know what? We could go back. We could change it all. Like it's perfect fun. You don't have to worry about it, man. I ain't gonna change. But, I ain't gonna know, change. I mean, it was the right basketball play. So like, Kukoc been hitting shots like that. So Kukoc killed it, and Kukoc didn't get enough. Uh, um, recognition throughout this documentary. They gave Steve Kerr a bit, which by the way was very emotional. And yeah. I learned a lot about Steve Kerr that I didn't know about through yeah. this documentary. So big shout out to Steve. Same here. Same here. You know? and, and and I hope that I mean, I'd like to think that our listening demographic aren't the people that do this, but all the people that really rag on Steve Kerr, anytime he tweets about uh, political and social issues and stuff like that, I hope they understand like where he's coming from with this, right? Like Steve Kerr's always yeah. been very vocal when it comes to uh, oppression and minorities' rights and stuff like that. And a lot of people love to say like, uh, hopefully they aren't our listeners, but they love to say like, oh, you know, stick with stick to basketball. You don't know what you're talking about and stuff like that. It's like, no, this guy has really been through some stuff. His family has really been through some stuff. So to imagine like your own father was assassinated for for standing up against oppression and things like that, right? And and sure. to, to tell his son now to like not speak on those things. So, you know, I think I, I'm glad that he got the recognition that he did and this, uh, you know, as a player. Like we know him as a coach, but yeah. we, we, did, we didn't watch him as a player. So I'm glad we, got, we learned that about him. And that's the only knock I'll have against Michael Jordan is, and this is where LeBron James completely steals it. Uh, we talked about this before, but his impact off the basketball court, him speaking on social events taking, uh, taking place around the world, it's something Michael Jordan never even thought about doing because his mentality was, I'm just a basketball player, mm -hmm. where he had the platform to do much more. Yeah, you know what I mean. And LeBron James took that platform and decided to do a lot more. So, man, huge kudos to to LeBron James for that. And I, I have to say, time and time again, because he deserves it. Yeah. LeBron James absolutely deserves the recognition that he gets off the basketball court. I, I I feel bad because I'm forgetting exactly which player said this. I don't know if it was LeBron or if it was someone else. But essentially, the quote is: "If at the end of my career, 
if I'm just known as a basketball player, then I failed kind of mm. like, mm. I, and I'm forgetting which player said this. So I feel real bad, but that's, it's, that's essentially what LeBron is embodying, right? Like, yes, yeah. he's a basketball player. He's a great basketball player, but when all said and done at the end of it, he doesn't want to be known as a basketball player. He wants to be known as someone who, you know, influence change and, and all those things. But, but yeah, we're, we're getting a bit sidetracked, but yeah, you, you, Steve Kerr, I'd say, you know, Steve Kerr and, uh, a big winner uh, out of this documentary, right? Like, you know, I feel like his perception has greatly been improved and stuff like that. Tony Kukoc, big loser, man. I feel bad for the guy. He, like, he got great. And he player. had a, in a finals game, he shot 11 of 13 yeah. and, and dropped so many points, but nobody even talked about that. Like, we yeah. don't know about that. Yeah. You know what like, I mean? Which I thought was really, really bad on, on, on the, on the producer's part. They should have yeah. given a lot more to Tony Kukoc. Yeah. Um, but you know, going back to the Scotty Pippen thing though, isn't it crazy? The camaraderie, you know, I think it was Cartwright or no, not, not Cartwright. I forgot who it was exactly, yeah. but yeah. they were crying like, Scotty, you let us down, man. Mm-hmm. There was tears in the locker room because he decided to sit in a, uh, in a, in a game like that, which made me just think about the teamwork and the, they're brothers. They're legitimate. They're genuinely brothers. It's a fraternity, and yeah. and all of these beefs in the in the basketball court. They're not. At the end of the day, they're all brothers. Of course, with their team, it's a higher bond, but they're all brothers. And that was a huge takeaway for me. But even back then, yeah. man, I mean, I don't think anything sums it up better than the the closing moments of the last episode where they talk about that the the emotional scene of like you know all the players coming together and having that ritual of like the, I cried during that that was like really hard hitting and it just shows like this team it it and and all teams really uh, to a certain extent like they're out there battling for each other and and all of this means so it's so much more than just basketball so. What I wanted to ask you about, which I found super interesting as well, because we did talk about playing through injuries or injuries and basketball, whatever. And, um, you know, how it's not the smartest thing. But my stance was it definitely isn't. But again, on that note of it being much more than just basketball and you're sticking up for your brothers. It might not be the smartest, but. Basically, where I'm going with this is Scottie Pippen in that finals game for the last dance. This was a 98 season where you know what happened. His back tweaked, right? And he was just there as a decoy. People don't know how the hell he was even going up and down the court. He was injured. He was done. His back was completely torched. But he was still setting screens, trying to play as hard as he can. And out of that came one of the most historical seasons for the Chicago Bulls that ended up winning in a championship. Yeah. Does this kind of derail or make you not necessarily change your opinion, but alter your opinion on playing through injury and the importance of doing this for your brothers rather than thinking about your own individual career? So what I'll, what I'll say to that is I definitely got a different perspective, one that I hadn't been exposed to that, like uh, it's a more visceral perspective that I hadn't been exposed to. But I mean, when it comes to playing with injury, like, yes, it's different when you're talking about a random regular season game and you're talking about game six of the NBA finals, Michael Jordan's last game, your potential last shot to win a title, make it six for six or whatever that might be. Like the gravity of the situation on the floor in that second half was very different than any other time we've talked about load management and injury issues, right? Like that, that is the, that is it for 
hit for him, right? For Mike. So yes, it's different. But I mean, from Scotty's perspective, he had been underpaid his entire career up to that point. One thing goes wrong on the court over there and he doesn't sign that uh, mm. five or six year max contract the, the year after. Like he yep. could very well have ended his career right there and then. And yes, that's a risk. And yes, it's commendable. But the reason why this isn't a cautionary tale is literally just like a flip of a coin. I don't know what the risk of injury was, but very easily we could have been sitting here and talking about, you know, Scotty Pippen career ended too soon. We never got to see more of it. And I mean, Scotty's Scotty Pippen's entire career following the Bulls um, uh, sixth title was plagued with injuries and stuff like that. He got his money, but he was lucky. He signed yeah. that max contract and got lucky that he very well could have not gotten that money and he would be as one of the most underpaid players of all time. There are a lot of players that actually got the other side of that coin. Yeah. Where where they played. Th- Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Always that's talked that's about the it. example. Isaiah Thomas I, and Scottie Pippen. I like, think those are yeah. the two sides of the coin. Yeah, like, I, like I can't stress it enough. Isaiah Thomas missed out on tens of millions of dollars because he played through injury. Like that is such an absurd number to think about that someone potentially missed out on tens of millions of dollars because they chose to grind it out and stuff like that. And Scotty Pippen is one of those good stories where good because I will always be from the camp that get all the money you can. You know, if you're a uh, like a trailblazer sign or something, you'd be like, oh, man, this kind of suck. We got burned with this contract and whatever. But I will always be pro players and get every dollar that you can. So Scotty Pippen got his money and I'm happy about that afterwards. But very easily could have ended up differently. And I and 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 it sucks. I mean, the the question then becomes. You know, if playing through injury and brotherhood and bigger than basketball is important, do we apply that same logic to college basketball? What about all of those college athletes that suffered career ending injuries because they played through something they shouldn't have? We don't know their names. We don't know their stories. They thought they were doing the right thing by grinding it out and, you know, being determined and stuff but they never got their paycheck. They never made it pro and stuff like that. Right. We've, we've heard stories of all kinds of players like that. So that's where I'm like, where where I say, you know, when people say, Oh, you know, you're not respecting the game. You don't have that killer instinct. You're not going out there and grinding for your brothers and stuff. Well, does that only apply at the highest level when millions of dollars are involved or does it also apply at every level of basketball? I think on the flip side as well, though, Omar, it's like that thing of camaraderie or that thing of teamwork and all of that, right? Where Scotty, like Pip, when he didn't play, right? Yeah. Where he decided to say, of course, this is a very, very exaggerated stance. But in those last two seconds where he decided not to play and that forever staining his reputation, right? He got the money, but on the flip side where it's like that like dishonorable act that he did, that stain and that reputation, even living with, with even living with something like that, you can't really put a price on it where it's just like, if I did play, we could have done this. And you know how competitive basketball players are. So there is a side yeah. of money, but I also feel like there's also the side of, but man, if I did this and I, living with that yeah. is a lot, is, is difficult I, I, too. I agree. I agree to an extent, but I mean, there's, there's two different things we're talking about there. We're talking about game six of the finals where he's injured and comes back and plays. And we're talking about the, uh, what was it? The 95, uh, uh, 
playoffs against the Knicks. I think it was the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Against the Knicks. And he's not injured. He sat out because he felt disrespected. Not because yeah. he felt injured. Not, not, not because so, I'm just using yeah. that as like a, yeah. you know, like, exactly. No one, not no one would have faulted. No one would have faulted Scotty for not coming back in game six in, in 98. No one would have yeah. faulted him because of how injured he was or anything like that. So that disrespect wouldn't have been there. Now it's different when, a player is probably healthy, but is just sitting out or resting or, you know, uh, I, I'm cognizant enough to see like, you know, when LeBron takes regular season games off and stuff like that, I'm sure some of his teammates feel probably like, man, we're out here grinding. I go to every practice. I do all this stuff. Some of the bench players and LeBron's just taking games off or something like that. Yeah. I'm sure that that camaraderie gets affected and stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, they they kind of also know that the reason he's taking these games off is because he has put his body on the line. He has so many miles on his body and he's just doing this to further their chance of winning, right? Like if yeah. I was LeBron's teammate, I'd be like, LeBron, like, take this game off because we're going to need you in the playoffs. I can't carry this team. I'm a bum on the bench, right? I can't carry this team. I need you to be healthy enough to carry this team. But again, that's a regular season random game to game six of the finals. Exactly, so, so, you know, yeah. it brought in, to answer your initial question, yes, it broadened my perspective, but I think my overall stance hasn't, hasn't changed because I always see the cautionary side of things, right? Like I'm yeah. always from the perspective of, like Scotty's upbringing, all that he suffered through all, could you imagine if all of that ended with him not being able to provide for his family? Mm -hmm. The story Mm -hmm. that, that the precedent that would set and how sad everyone would be for Scotty. And there's so many stories like that that we just don't know about. You know what I mean? That's that's the worst part of it all. There are so many up and coming players that just died through injury and we just, just don't know about like what happened. And like, I think, I think that's really, that's really, really sad as well. But, you know, just to kind of flip things just a little bit, you know, on, on the other side, and just, just to make things a little bit more, uh, I guess, on the brighter side, man, Michael Jordan, man, just watching his highlight. I know I, I keep saying this, but watching his highlights and honestly, like his mindset, that killer mindset, it's it's actually inspiring. Mm-hmm. He was a complete psychopath. Yeah. But he refused to lose. And what really got me was, I think it was the end of episode. I'm not even going to attempt the episode, but he said something like, you ask any of my teammates. I didn't, I didn't ask them to do something that MJ didn't do his damn self. Mm-hmm. And I thought that showed the power of like, yo, I'm the one leading these practice. I'm doing it. You know, I'm leading by example. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, he was absolutely a bully. And he probably wasn't the most popular. Well, he was a popular person, but maybe nobody wanted to sit down and eat with MJ or gamble with MJ. Wink, wink. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I think that but, but by the end of it, all these players, when they look back at it, they're like, we needed that. Yeah. And I think that's what leads to my next question is leadership styles. Yeah. Because we have the 94. 94- Five ninety six team with Scotty Scotty Pippen being the man, and his leadership style was completely different than Michael Jordan's leadership style. Mm-hmm. Okay, and his leadership style, as you know, was a lot more gentle, a lot more supportive, a lot more LeBron like. You know, where it's just like you know, like let's um, you, you got this. You know, it's it's not a big deal, whatever. Um, obviously, it's not. 
you know, the way I'm saying it is, is, is a lot different than how it was, but it's yeah, a lot more softer than approach. I, I, I get where you're coming from. It's not a psychopath. It's not a psychopath. Yeah. It's not a Kobe or an MJ or a Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know, it's not that type of mindset. And um, ultimately, like, you know, obviously due to the lack of superstars and lack of players, they just weren't, weren't able to be that successful. Um, MJ comes in, you know, they become a playoff team, but they ended up getting knocked out in the second round. So compare that to Michael Jordan's leadership style of bullying your players. Steve Kerr, for mm -hmm. example. I don't think Steve Kerr takes that shot unless he gets punched in the face by MJ. I, I think that, you know, like even Steve Kerr said it himself, their relationship got so much better. Steve Kerr, it was so funny to me. It was also really cute. MJ was just like, listen, I'm a, he, he hides his face. Yeah, He's just, just like, be ready, bro. Be ready. be ready. All right. Just don't, don't. And I'm just like, Kerr's like, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Me, Pastor. <laughs> I love that. Oh, so man. a very drawn out question, but. What are your thoughts on the different leadership styles and how do you think that translates in the modern NBA? So I think, okay, I guess I'll start with, you know, which would I prefer? I prefer LeBron. I don't want someone yelling at me and punching me in the face and stuff like that. Personally, you know, I feel like I'd respond more to that style. Your question of how it translates to the modern NBA, I think there are- Or team very, success. That's yeah. a better one. Team okay. success. Okay, so but you know, let me let me touch the modern NBA one real quick. Okay, very difficult, and there are only a handful of NBA players that could ever lead like that because they don't they need to have the credentials that Jordan did. Jordan was uh, allowed to be like that because he was the best player in the world at the time. LeBron could do that if LeBron turned on that switch and he wanted to, no one would question it because he's LeBron James. Russell Westbrook, when he was on OKC, no one could question that, right? Because he is the man. He This is his team. He's relentless. He's doing everything he can. There are very few players that are able to do that. Joel Embiid could not do that. Mm. As much as I love Joel Embiid, he doesn't have the credentials. He doesn't have the resume to back up his actions or something like that. So there are very few players that would respond to that type of leadership style from anyone else kind of thing, right? So... That, that's the first thing. A team success. My whole thing with this is it's kind of like whatever the result is, we kind of use it, the ends justifying the means. They won games. Therefore, they won because of this leadership style. If they lost games, they lost, therefore, because of this leadership style. A ball doesn't go in. Steve Kerr's shot misses. All of a sudden, the Bulls lose. Who knows what happens in game seven? Maybe the flip of a coin. They end up losing that series. The story now becomes MJ bullied Steve Kerr and that Steve Kerr hated MJ and, and the resentment is the reason they lost the shot. So there's a lot of like, we're talking about stuff we'd never know about. And I mean, that's 95% of sports uh, radio and, and podcasts and stuff like that, talking about hypotheticals and all those. But I am always really uh, weary of, uh, of, weary, sorry, of, of stuff like this where because the result has happened and there's no way of ever going back on it, we can't attribute the success of that to that result, right? MJ's Bulls, I mean, we've gone through every single title. There were a lot of hiccups along the way, a lot of flip of the coin, a lot of random shots that probably shouldn't have gone in, missed fouls, like random things. And we see now that 
winning a title isn't as simple as, oh, we're the better team, so we're going to win. Reggie Miller's Pacers were the better team. They lost, right? So there are going to be times when a lot needs to go right for the title to happen. And then to try to attribute all of those random occurrences, Kawhi shot bouncing four times on the rim, to attribute all of that to like this this one thing and say like, oh, we won because of this killer instinct or whatever, that's really difficult to do. So I'm always really hesitant to do that. I say, I think there's a place for that. I think every team should have someone like this there, whether it's a coach, whether it's uh, a vet, whether it's the best player on the team, whether some type of person to keep people accountable. So you, you can, you can have that, you know, professional mentality and keep people pushing, but to be that, to, for that to be the defining mantra of the team, I don't know if that's necessary. Sorry, that was a really long answer. No, no, no. I tried to cover all my bases. A long answer for a long question because there's a lot to it. You know, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot to discuss with something like that. And and my whole thing is I feel like it translates better um to team success. But no, you're right. With the modern NBA, which players would respond to that? You need the credentials. Yeah. You need someone like a three you need like a LeBron James to be like, "All right, let's let's but I guess that's, it's difficult. Like, like we'll think, this, think of the, sorry, continue. I will say this. With the six finals that NBA has, uh, and Michael Jordan has won, and the six rings that he has gotten in that era, it seems like, it's not like a uh, one and done thing where it's just like, oh, I did this leadership style this time and it happened to work. Mm-hmm. He was constantly weeding out the crap people. There are so, probably um, thousands of players that we just don't know about that just got cut because they weren't able to handle uh, the pressure from MJ. And I think it's like a Spartan-style way of leadership. Where All right, well, survival of the fit. If you're not strong, get the hell out of here. And only the strong remain, and they have that mindset of, I'm going to take that shot, or I'll be able to do something like this. You know, that that's part of it. But I mean, we got to remember, like, MJ six is six. They weren't underdogs. They had the best coach in the league. They had the best number two player in the league. They had the best defender in the league. They had MJ, the best player in the league. All of these things, like they weren't underdogs in these finals where it's like, you know, this was the thing that pushed us over the edge. If you took that killer instinct leadership style out of it and randomly simulate it, and I know real life isn't a computer simulation, but if you randomly simulated it with those factors, they would still win a lot of those titles and stuff like that because they were the better team kind of thing, right? And yes, that his his influence definitely played a style, but I mean, especially those last the last three Pete, I mean, they were unstoppable. They were the greatest Oh, that 98 team was yeah can't even touch it they were just they're coasting through it all but i guess what i mean is like that being the best team right or getting to that stage of being the best team i'm not so convinced that if mj was on the scotty pippen type of leadership was like oh it's okay everything will be you know like you should take that shot next time i'm not convinced they would get to that level because if this documentary has taught me anything it's that the Chicago Bulls were much more than Rodman, Pippen, and MJ. Mm-hmm. I think they highlighted very well the other players, the um, Horace Grants, mm-hmm. the Cartwrights, the mm-hmm. Kerrs, the Ku coaches. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's what I mean by team success. And they got to that point 
not necessarily because of three individual players, but because of a culture they created, which is harsh. But I think that's when the results had shown. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I agree in the sense that he did push his teammates to be better, right? And, and, and that's true. And here's the thing. I'm from the camp that I believe LeBron also pushes his teammates to be better. Kerr hits the shot. The story is MJ made Kerr better. MJ pushed his teammates to be the best. J.R. Smith forgets the score. And the story is, you know, no one wants to play with LeBron. LeBron doesn't make his teammates better. Uh, George Hill misses two free throws in the finals. And um, uh, look, look, his first finals and LeBron couldn't make his teammates better and stuff. It's like these random flip the coin occurrences that then end up getting attributed to, to what's happening. Uh, George Hill hits those two free throws and J.R. Smith doesn't forget the score, then all of a sudden, LeBron makes his teammates better and LeBron's uh, leadership style is working. So it's like, it's it's really difficult for, it's really difficult when looking at it at a micro level, when you're looking at a single event and a single occurrence, but you are correct, and I will give you that, that when you look at it, when you zoom out and look 30,000 feet up over six years of domination, from that perspective, you look back and you're like, yeah, it definitely played an overall, like kind of like an underlying lurking variable. It played a factor overall. Yes, perhaps if you look at any one moment in that time, you'd be able to say like, how much influence did this leadership style really have on this one shot going in or not? But when you look at the team ethos over the course of the entire 90s, then you say, yeah, you know what? MJ's influence probably did help them here, 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 here a little enough that it pushed them into that upper echelon of teams. So I have another question for you because now that you've watched this documentary and you know, like I would say that Steve Kershaw, um, I mean, it's not the same magnitude, obviously, but it's a, it's a game winning shot taken by not the star player. Okay. Yep. So and not the asking, first time in MJ's career that that's happened. Yeah. And I guess the reason why I'm asking that is like, how was it when Ray Allen hit that shot for, for LeBron? Yeah. Did people did people have that? Oh, LeBron. Well, that's what Ray, LeBron does this for Ray Allen. You know, LeBron made this uh, made Ray Allen a better player through his leadership style. I'm sure that's not a conversation that people have, but you know what I'm trying to get at. Like, what was the conversation like? Because I didn't really watch basketball yeah. then. So, what was it like when Ray Allen was it? Ray Allen bailed LBJ out, or was it LeBron James made Ray Allen? You know, you know, you know what's crazy, and this was my experience when that happened. There, that Ray Allen shot, it was an amazing shot and everybody gave Allen credit, but the narrative of him bailing out LeBron didn't really happen. And the reason for that is that game was still so fresh in everyone's mind. We knew that LeBron was dominating. I mean, he hit like two or three threes right before that Ray Allen shot. So no one was going to say Allen bailed out LeBron because when they have literally just seen LeBron James dominate. But what happened over the years, and this is what I noticed, what happened over the years is people didn't end up watching that game. And like the Skip Baylesses of the world pushed out that narrative that Allen bailed out. Oh, Kyrie, especially after the uh, Kyrie hit the shot in game seven against this, uh, the Warriors, that narrative grew, grew new life because all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, there we go. Someone else bailing out LeBron again, right? And, and then forgetting that the entire game LeBron had been dominating. 
that the entire game he had been dominating. So that narrative grew over time that like so-and-so he got built up. I feel like in the moment, it wasn't really there so much because we were still in awe of his performance. It was so raw. And I mean, that's that. I mean, Jordan, it's a similar story. I mean, like we, we this this narrative of Kerr bailing him out and stuff like that, that didn't really from, I mean, I, what do I know? But from what I understand, that's not what the papers were saying then, right? That's not that immediate reaction. The immediate reaction was the greatest player of all time wins another title or something like that, right? That's the, that's the, that's what the immediate reaction is. But over time, when people forget about greatness, the, these kind of storylines start, it starts, it, it becomes easier to remember a narrative than the facts of the game. Mm. So, so, so that's, that's what happens, I think. So and over it, time, okay, okay. I was just curious. I just yeah. wanted to see what happened. But because you did bring up Skip Bayless, um, he does mention something on Twitter that I wanted to get your thoughts on. And what he said was um, the real culprit of this, of this dynasty thing or, or it falling apart isn't uh, Ryan's, I still can't say his name. Reinsdorf, yeah. Reinsdorf. But Phil Jackson. Mm. And the reason for that is because Regardless of anything, Phil Jackson said he is not going to be returning back. This is the last dance. This is it for me in Chicago. And that's that. But MJ, as it got revealed, he was down. Rodman was down. And Pip, knowing that MJ and everybody could run it back for a four-peat, he would most likely be down. One year, Steve Kerr would sign. Everybody would, would, would run it back. So what are your thoughts on Phil Jackson yeah. kind of ruining things for, so, for the dynasty? So what I'll, what I'll say is that, and I'm not really a huge Phil guy. I feel like he has a lot of faults. He's been pretty schemy his entire career. And even with the Bulls, I mean, he would leak stuff to the press and then claim it wasn't him and get other people fired. And like, he's done a lot of like really schemy stuff. But in this case, I will stand for Phil and I will defend him. So yes, it's true. Phil was offered a chance to come back. Phil said no. However, what 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 gets lost in the context and and what's the full story that's not told is Phil was asked to come back for a rebuilding team, and mm-hmm. Phil didn't want to coach a rebuilding team. So that's like saying, and then what that ha- what that allows you to say is like, oh, I offered that guy a job, but he, but he said no, so it's on him now. But the scenario that you created was all on you. You chose to rebuild. And and the line that 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 you need to remember is Reinsdorf at the in the last episode says to bring those guys back would be suicide. He says the word suicide. What does that mean? He's talking about suicide to his paycheck. He did not he said the contracts would be so bad he could not afford market value for all of these players. So even if it was a one year deal, one year deal MJ would be 30 plus million. Scottie Pippen would be like 30 million. All of these players would be getting so much money that that it just would not be worth it for, for Reinsdorf. So Reinsdorf says, I'm not going to pay these people. MJ, I will pay you whatever. You can come back and in two or three years, we'll rebuild and we'll have a new championship team for you. Yeah, you'll be older, but you're the greatest player in the world. We'll bring you back. Scottie Pippen with his bad back, Dennis Rodman with his bad back, not going to happen. I'm not going to pay them long-term money. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay them that amount of money. So Reinsdorf did not agree to bring back the people. What that does is that creates an, a job offer that says, Phil, you can come back with Mike, but it'll be a rebuilding team. Phil says, I don't want to do a rebuilding team. So that's the kind of the disconnect where MJ is saying like, those guys would have come back for, for one more year. Right. It's it, it, but 
That's not what was offered to Phil. What was offered to Phil was a rebuilding team because MJ, as much as he wants, he's not the one paying them. He's not the one paying them. The guy paying them is Reinsdorf. And and that that cheapness, that focus on the bottom line, that's something that has remained a part of Chicago sports <laughs> since then. I mean, as a Bulls fan, that's something that I'm still struggling with. The, the, the ineptitude and the bad decisions that have been made since then, it's all because of the ownership. It's all because of the ownership and the people that the ownership allows to stay in place. So th- that's what I'll say. Like in this case, it's not Phil's fault. It, I, I'm 100% confident that if Phil was actually offered a chance to bring the entire gang back together, and the gang would obviously have to get market value for their money uh, for the, for their time. He would take that, but that's not what he was offered. So he's kind of like distorting the facts. Yes, it's true. Phil walked away, but that's not really what happened there. It's not as black and white. It's like, not as lot- black and white. Like if someone offers you a terrible job offer, you're just going to be like, yeah, I declined. And now the story is going to be, well, you said no. So. Yeah. I refer at the end of the last ads, it was very emotional with the with the uh, fire yeah. and all that. I thought that was, you know, like super sad. But then afterwards, you know, kind of fades into black, you know, Michael Jordan leaves and then it says, the Chicago Bulls have been in a rebuilding stage, you know, like since or something. Like, it was just talking so <laughs> much crap about Man, the, it just said they went into Chicago, a rebuild. They bought a Chicago it's like, like, yeah, like they the went first... into a rebuild. They didn't say they ever came back out of that rebuild. They just said <laughs> they went into a rebuild. The first thing I thought was about almost finna die when he sees this shit. Yeah, I'll start punching the air, man. But you know, there's there's hope now, you know. Of course, man. That's also you could have the best team literally in the world, but the owners want to get their money. And it doesn't matter what happens at the end of the day, the owners want to get their money, man. And that's so sad. Because what else can you, what what else would you want? You have a seventy-two and ten team, and you're like, nah, that's too much. I can't. Uh, it's too much money. I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, and and this is what the thing that I hate most about owners, owners that aren't willing to pay. And mm. for, for Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cavs, for all his faults, for all like you know, he's a, a pretty terrible human being like that letter he wrote LeBron when LeBron first left and like all those things for all his faults he never hesitated in paying people LeBron mm. needed someone on the team he was willing to pay he was willing to Le go GM. The task. he was willing to go into the tax for them and that's one thing that that you need to do this as an owner you need to be willing to pay because you're still making so much money you need yeah. to be willing to pay if you're not willing to pay nothing could happen all of the major faults that have happened all of the great teams that could have been that fell apart have been because owners have, were unwilling to pay think of okc unwilling mm. to pay harden and then that happens right yes as a joke i like to blame presti and like all those things but it all comes back to ownership's not ownership ownership yeah and and and, that, and that's 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 how all these teams that could have been fall apart and, and things like that so i mean like Overall thoughts, like what are your overall thoughts on on the last dance? Let's loved it. Wrap it up. Yeah. In the in the middle, it got kind of stale with the shoes and all of that. I'm just beginning to think, ah, this is not this is not what I'm looking for. I want more basketball. I want more MJ. And I got just that with with the last dance. Um, overall, definitely it doesn't have to be this long. I can see this being like a they could have done this in maybe maybe five to six, yeah. maybe a five part series. It would have been fine. They could have cut it in half. 
Um, some some things were drawn out that didn't I didn't really really care for, but overall. Love, love, loved it. And it introduced me to an era that I didn't really know of. I didn't know how physical the bad boy Pistons were. and to, Or even the Knicks in like the 92 season. I didn't know that they even had a team that was worth looking into. Or how the game was played back then. I got a newfound appreciation for Phil Jackson. And more than anything more than MJ, it's the players around him. And I think this really shows the idea of it's a team sport regardless. You know, it's a team sport and you need to, you need to play like that. You know, it's, it's not a one man show, you know, and um, huge learning point, huge learning point on that note, but it, it really gave me a newfound respect um, for that era. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I expected and what I wanted. Yeah. So overall, loved it, man. For sure. Um, yeah, it was a great 10-hour Jordan commercial. Um, <laughs> it was it was a very flawed documentary, you know, distorting facts and hiding, not mentioning certain things and certain players getting the really short end of the stick, like, and their story is not fully being told, but... It was, it did what it needed to do. What the goal of this documentary was, was to remind people of Jordan's greatness. And it did that. It reminded everyone of Jordan's greatness. That was their, their thesis. That was what they were aiming for. And they did that. And they really, like they created this figure of Jordan. They made him more than just man kind of thing. And, and, and that's what they were looking for. And, and they did that. It was very entertaining. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I, I only have like a, uh, other than like my trolling and stuff like that. Like it was, it was just an entertaining thing. I could have done without some of the minor league baseball stuff. I really don't need people fawning over how good Jordan was as a baseball player. Like, come on, get out of here. Like, I don't need to deal with that stuff in the minors. People talk about, yeah, man, this guy could have made it in the majors. Like, get out of here. I don't want it. I don't want that. Adding 200. It's not uh, bad. And, and and then I could have done without all of the Carl Malone praise and 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 um, attention. Like get that man off. Malone my is a piece of shit. Yeah, I I don't want to see that pedophile on my screen. Get him out of here. I went on NBA Reddit today, and like the the first post is like hats off to Carl Malone for congratulating <laughs> Jordan after losing. And he's a piece of shit. Like I oh congratulations, Carl Malone. Congratulations, you're such a good human man. Get out of here. I don't want to deal with any of that. Piece of crap. So I could have done without without that. Don't really need him. Just forget him. he existed. Um, and uh, but but overall, it was it was really entertaining. It was really good. Um, and, and yes, it it exposed me, like you said, to an era of basketball that I you know had maybe in the back of my mind that I had a lot of assumptions about. But actually watching game film and watching highlights yeah. and stuff like that, you'll learn things you can never understand. And there will be stuff that you and I will still never fully experience because we weren't alive and appreciating that era. Like, like for example, 20, 30 years from now, there will be highlights and all these things that people will be watching about modern day basketball, but they'll never get the perspective that you and I have because we watched it today and stuff like that, right? But you know, at least we get something, even if it's just a piece of it, right? And and one last thing I guess I'd like to close on when it comes to the last dance, final thoughts on it would be, I was listening to uh, the Dunked On podcast and Danny LaRue mentioned it. I feel like it's important enough that I should echo it is 
he's really he was really appreciative of the shared experience that we all got. This is the time when we don't really have many shared experiences. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing alone. And, you know, there's no big shows that we're all waiting for the next episode on and we can experience together. There's no sporting events that we all live tweet and watch together and stuff like that. This was That's a good one point. of the yeah. only shared experiences where it's like every week, everyone's looking forward to it. Everyone's watching the same thing. We can all talk about it afterwards and stuff like that. So it was really a good way to bring people together. And I think I, I kudos to the producers, kudos to Le, uh, Richard Jefferson and LeBron for helping to get it uh, released earlier in a time when we really needed something like this. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, you know, despite any of the flaws that I may have mentioned, I'm really glad I went on this journey with everyone else. The fact that it's shared, I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. that really made the experience a lot more, you know, like everybody listening to this podcast right now, I'm assuming has also watched the documentary and they're going to be, that, that thing about Pip that we're talking about, they'll they'll have the image in their head of Pip yeah. on, on the bench because we've seen it too. So that image that you have in your head right now about that Scotty Pippen sitting on the bench, I have that exact same image in my head and it's shared. It's something, it's a memory that we both share together and yeah. I think that's what made, what made it very special as well. Um, it's just sad that we have no more basketball content. Yeah. So come on, Le- LeBron's second goat. Let's see your uh, <laughs> documentary. Why not? Let's let's, let's get it. it going. So we will get Space Jam eventually, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> all right, I um, think that should wrap it up, yeah, right? But let's let's call it then. So for everybody uh, listening and watching on YouTube. Thank you very much. Please show your love and appreciation. And it's been throws up gang signs. Um, show your love and appreciation by rating us and reviewing us on whatever platform you're on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it's super quick. Just tap our profile, go down, tap five stars. Really means a lot to us. Helps get more exposure. And honestly, the best way you can support us is to come over to our Instagram page. We're almost at 100 followers, which is insane to think about. But yeah, it's uh, the session ball on Instagram. Again, it's the session ball on Instagram. Come over. Our page looks great. Uh, We're going to, now that we're running out of content, we may be throwing up, you know, mailbag posts and stuff like that. Just asking around um, to get topics. So it's a great way to stay in touch. And the last thing is just plug that, plug the YouTube channel, which is, um, you know, the session of basketball podcast come over and I highly recommend it. If you have the opportunity to watch our podcast on YouTube, you're going to get a whole nother experience. You're going to be able to see Ben's vinyls. You're going to be able to see my hair, uh, Ben cutting his own hair, which is great. Like, <laughs> It's right there for you. There you go. There you go. All right. That's everything from me, Ben. Yourself? Yeah, I've got nothing more to add on. Just, uh, just continue showing the support. And, um, you know, especially with the last dance, you know, concluding <laughs> basketball content is going to be a lot more barbershop talk and that comes with the community. So interact with us, communicate with us. Let's do this together. And um, hopefully we'll have some more, some more good content for you guys to listen to. So that's everything. That's everything on my end. Perfect. And with that, I'd like to say cheers. Cheers. <laughs> not really the outro I was oh, just, oh, just puts on put on some Taylor Swift right now not really the outro I was looking at. not the <laughs> but uh, I guess heaven started playing somehow there we go <laughs>
I, I knew that sounded familiar. Yeah. Are oh, you ever? Okay. There, there we Are go. You ever? <laughs> and we're cutting out now. All right. See y'all. What I want to be y'all. Yeah. <laughs>